0: From worlds beyond, to right at the gaming table, these are all my fantasy, fantasy children!
1: Hey, Jeff! Hey,
0: Aaron! Welcome all, to all my fantasy children, my name is Aaron katano Sayez.
1: my name is Jeff Stormer.
0: This is All My Fantasy Children. It's a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast where each week, Jeff and I just, I don't even know. (laughs) What do we do this week, Jeff?
1: I don't
0: know. Hang out. Goof. You know, we get a new couch. We go shopping. You know, we get a new place. Every week, we kind of build a new place to kind of just hang out because, like, I don't know, it's kind of the 90s feel right now, and you just, you just don't know, but you just want yeah, to lounge. you just don't know.
1: You just don't know.
0: You know the intro to Friends, where they're kind of just like hanging, and like, yeah, just kind of right. lay around. Goofing.
1: We're just talking. Isn't that our podcast? That's our just... podcast in a nutshell. You're just kind of kicking, you're spinning. <laughs> What You kick in and you're spinning, right? That's what <laughs> they do on the thing. They kick and they spin.
0: And we just like jump in a fountain. Yeah.
1: And we, <laughs> we jump in a fountain. And you <laughs> say...
0: <laughs> right. That's, that's what we do here. Do we have a prompt? God, uh, that intro. Fuck. <laughs> I believe we do. Jumping right in. We have a prompt this week. Uh, the prompt comes from Thousand Heads. And the prompt is... The magical library formed of Talking Floating Obelisks that helps introduce new listeners still getting through the backlog, catalog, to the basics of the AMFC in time to help them understand the post-Episode 100 World of Fantasy. Yes. We're going to... Why don't we just do that? Let's do it. We are your Talking Floating Obelisks this week, and we are going to help you understand kind of the world of fantasy, like a Rose's Guide.
1: Is this a Rose's Guide? This is a little bit of a Rose's Guide. Yeah. It's sort of a pseudo-Rose's Guide. It's our it's our episode 101 sort of pelure, big-picture check-in to kind of make sure we're all on the same page of everything. We're just going to kind of go over the, the, the history of the world in sort of a big-picture to make sure we kind of are on the same page of everything.
0: I think it's sort of like when a new season of a TV show starts and they do that thing where it'll be like uh like say the Sims, I've been watching a lot of Simpsons again mm-hmm. and it'll be like Mr. Burns and he'll be like, "Oh, Mr. Burns, you mean the one, the man who runs the radioactive plant that Homer works at?" That's right, yeah. the one and only. So that's kind of what we're going to do today, I guess. Yes. Okay. So how does one start such a monumental feat? Good question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we could start, do you want to start with like a history thing? Like we talk about the history of the world and things like that. Or is there yeah. something, or is there anything that you just kind of want to talk about more? You know what I mean? Like mm. what, do you, what, do you wanna,
1: what do you want to elaborate on just for fun? Because
0: mm. it can be what we want.
1: Let me think. Let's go over, I want to go over, like, the history of the world in sort of a very big picture and sort of, like, make sure that we're all kind of on the, that we're, like, that we've got, like, the picture of the world kind of laid out. Like the
0: very beginning, beginning.
1: Yeah, like the whole story from top, top to bottom. Okay. Yes, let us start from the birth of the universe through the present and we'll sort of make sure that all of the major, the major lore beats are there. Yeah. And then we can kind of fill in things from there.
0: In the cosmic plane, there are two giant entities known as Aether and Astra, the cosmic sisters. Yes. And they're battling for control of the material plane because there's the cosmic and the material.
1: They have been battling for eternity. Existence is these two sisters locked in sort of ethereal combat.
0: Ether bests Astra, enters the material plane, and upon doing so, splits into five beings known mm-hmm. as the five Um, And they're the colors of printer toner because it was 2016 and Aaron was writing on the subway.
1: That is correct. (laughs) All of that is correct. They're red,
0: yellow, magenta, cyan, and blue, which, by the way, don't forget to check your toner cartridges, y'all, you know, just in case you do a lot of color printing. Think of all my fantasy children. Check your color printer ink.
1: Yes, yes. If you take one thing from this episode (laughs) or from this podcast, it's check your printer ink and make sure that you've got the printer ink that you need. I'd like to also tell you about, this is our first sponsorship deal, I'd like to talk to
0: you about Staples real quick. Yeah, let's talk about Staples. Staples has been providing all my fantasy children with uh, office supplies, chairs, and any other podcasting goods uh, duty-free for years now, and we just like to give something back. Jeff, what's your favorite Staples product?
1: Oh man, I gotta tell why I, I gotta tell you. I am a big fan of the uh, the Signo pen set. Ooh, uh, the Signo Uniball. Uh, I believe they're the 205s, but I'm not sure. Wait,
0: this is real.
1: Yeah. Oh, how do you know that? Because I love the Signo pen. Oh, holy shit, Signo two hundred five Uniball. Signo Uniball. Oh, that's a good pen. Signo Ball two hundred seven. It's mm. the two hundred seven. They have the, uh, it's the 207, oh, I, I'm a strange. big fan of the color, like the 205, 207 color set, there is the the seven piece, uh, I believe it's actually eight pens. There are uh, eight pens in this pack that I'm looking at. Yeah, it's the eight piece set, the Signo Uniball 207, Uh the great pens, they're great pens. They leave, they're very smooth, they glide on the paper, a lot of color coverage, big fan. <laughs> I don't know why I'm you seriously. thought that I wasn't gonna I'm have an answer for this, <laughs> but like I genuinely use these pens all the time, Aaron. Oh, I I Do you or do you think this is a fucking game, Aaron? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry, Mr. Stormer. <laughs> My favorite staples product is definitely Don't fucking BS me right now, Aaron. <laughs> Let's just get back to it, because now I'm mad. Now I'm upset. <laughs> why? Because apparently someone's not taking his office supply seriously. Um,
0: oh, hold on! Look, Jesus Christ! Um, um, uh, <laughs> clicking pencils. Um.
1: So, and my no, hold on, Jeff. Right, you fine. give me my
0: time. <laughs> my favorite is uh, my favorite stable product is the Pentel Twister Race Three Mechanical Pencil Number Two Medium Lead Two Pack. <laughs> now talk about a god!
1: All right, Ether and Astra.
0: So, Ether and Astra, uh, Ether has split into the five as after entering the material plane. Yes. And those five work together. They're all friends and they make a bunch of planets. Um, they make like countless worlds that they watch over as, like, you know, like, lack of a better term, like gods, you know, like Greek gods, where like they are actively, you know, taking part in their everyday life and providing for their yes. needs. Until they get bored, and they decide, like, mm, we should, like, let people chill in their own world. Let's make a world, and it's called fantasy. Yeah. And so they become, like, the magic engine of the world. They become the ley lines.
1: Yes, they become the ley lines, which run underneath the surface of the world and power, magic, and all sorts of other things. Can
0: I ask you a question? Yes. Sacrale, then. Sacrale is a planet in the same universe, yeah? It's fantasy? Yes. Does that mean, like... It's like watched over. It was at one point watched over by like the Five. And then... I
1: assume so. I think the Five sees all of the, all of the cosmos.
0: T- do they still, though? Probably. Damn. Okay, that's a, it's just something I've been thinking about lately with sci-fi stories and us. And I'm like, well, Johnny Orko is just as magic as everyone else. Yeah. Okay, so as the Five, they decide to make a game before they become the Ley Lines where they're going to leave a magical artifact behind... And the magical artifact will make anyone who wields it, like, as strong as them. And they all have a representative one. They hide it in the world. And then all the fantasy cultures and races are made. Yeah. Poof. They kind of just appear. And Arthur and Lumina Dawnspear are made as kind of like a weird contingency plan by the planet to be like, should a demon show up? We have little protectors. So, like, they kind of, like, blow up from the dust. Yes. And then this is something you and I have never gotten into. Like, do they, like, found the cities? You know what I mean? Like, just for if we if we can actually, like, deep dive in our hmm. own shit. You know what I mean? Do you think Arthur is like, hello, fellow beast folk. I'm Arthur. I'm the strongest. I'm your king. Or does he have hmm. to, like, run for office? You know what I mean? It's hmm. something we never – it's so often in fantasy stories where someone's, like, you know, the most powerful person is the king. The yeah. most this. But, in the, like, what – did Arthur, like, save the Beast Folk from something? And they're like, well, that's our leader right there. Or mm. did he like, build the city?
1: A real good question. Yeah. I don't just want it to be that they're powerful and therefore that they lead. Yeah, because that leads to, like, weird fear
0: mechanics. I mean, we've talked about how Sprout Brussels does it. Yeah.
1: Like, how they, how he, like, guides people and, like, you know, farms out, like, grows this community, like, farm and, like gets people to like stay in a place and farm and like raises a community that way? Yes. So it's sort of like a natural thing of just like he sort of as a trusted advisor guide figure? Yes. So we've talked about that.
0: But like what is what makes Arthur the king of Iron Hill? Mm-hmm. Is it something similar where like he led them through cause Sprout Russell's led the halflings through a tough time. Yeah. Did Arthur do the same? Is it is it a similar story across all fronts? Where it's like they became the leader because they literally led them through a challenging era. I think so. Times were hard in the region of Iron because that region is like a it's like a fuck continent, Iron Hill. Yeah, it's and the like the a, city. they're
1: all like they're all kind of like regions and things.
0: Yeah, and the beast people were like spread out or not, you know, to get working together. And Arthur kind of changed all that. Maybe is that it. I think so. I feel like that's the best way to do it. Okay. Okay. And then the same thing for Lumina. We'll get to that one day, maybe. So, time-wise, we have Arthur, Lumina, and now the cities. you know, Sprat Brussels runs Pyrethra Guild. Or, like, at that point, like, they're kind of, like, just leaders. You know, they're like town yeah. elders. You know, they're not, like, leading it, like, governing. Right. And then Nymphaea Lachis runs Moon Crescent. What's the last one? Is that all of them? Oh, and the machine god runs Geode. Because we talked about how the machine god becomes the leader of Geode.
1: Right, and they, they are, like, they they don't really lead because they kind of just, like, build this place and then vanish into the ether. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Can we say that? Like, they, they they punch into the earth and then... Okay, let's let's pause and recover Now that we've kind of deep-dived a little bit, deep-dove... Yeah. We have our two gods. Yes. They have battled... Uh, the five, ha- the, the walls of reality have been punctured and five beings spilled through. Those five beings created the world, the cosmos, and all of reality. Within that, there were, you know, this, this planet, this world called fantasy full of, you know, several times the size of Earth. It is this massive continent with, you know, sprawling in all directions, right? Yeah, absolutely. God, yes. Cultures and, and, and societies and places form. And, like, places, you know, come together. And five five of these, like, cultures come together the elves of Moon Crescent, the dwarves of Geode, the beast folk of Iron Hill, the dragons of Dragon, and the. What's the fifth? Dwarves of Geode? And the halflings of the halflings, halflings of, of for <laughs> In each of these places, you know, um, leaders and leaders emerge, and different sort of like governmental structures take shape. But like these sort of heroic legends, of legendary figures, kind of step up. You know, yes. Sprout Brussels raises a farming community and be- and and fosters this society of like mutual aid and become and sort of like becomes not quite a leader because I think that that, that the culture of Curie for Guild is very. Sort of uh, communal and very sort of decentralized in government and in leading, at least in the early days. Mm-hmm. But becomes sort of a trusted advisor figure. Every becomes everyone's friend. Sprout Brussels. I like.
0: I like that for. I love that for Pyrethra Guild. We're always very vague with like their positions, and we kind of make them like a generic wash of like the leader. But I like mm-hmm. that he's like a companion and friend to the community. He's a community leader. You yeah. know, it's much more of like when we joke about Samuel Gord in the first episode, like he's more of like the friendly mayor figure than right. like the overall leader where he like shows up to baseball games and ribbon cutting events, even though he's like of God power and pure ethere and like saved them all. But right. like he still is that person who will like help you pull your car out of the mud. Yes. And I like that being the, the tone of pure ether guilt, because then it makes the shift to Samuel Gord era much shittier. Right.
1: Okay, I like that. So, I like that a lot. Puritra guild is founded as this sort of communal, you know, society. Everyone is equal, everyone is sharing. It is this it is this very decentralized place. Uh, then we have the elves who are guided every day by the magical by the magical songs of Nymphaea Lacus who is writing letters with her with her magical quill pen empowered by the god empowered by the five to give them their every wish. Give them a little message that peers into their mind and tells them what they need to hear every day. Yeah. This this society of people hearing what they need spreads out throughout Moon Crescent. The elves are the elves are graced by this, by this this magical message. Yeah. It's else it's, No, go ahead. Elsewhere oh sorry, you had a point about the, the elves. If Nephalakis
0: is taking care of everything you need, telling you everything that you'll need to have a successful day, right? Mm hmm. The culture of the elves that we know in, we'll say, modern fantasy quotes would be like, you know, you have each other's back, you lift each other up when you're down, you know, and you always—when you're in high tide, you help those in low and vice—and then when it switches, you, you know, do the same for your fellow elf. Yeah. Does that happen—that culture come from Nymphaea's passing, or does that always—has that always been a thing?
1: I think it comes from her passing.
0: Because it it tells—that tells you a lot about what the city was like— in the early days because mm-hmm. we're, you know, if we're trying to get to the bottom of like what these places, cause you made a really good point years ago. I don't even know if, I don't know if you remember this. You said that like our show's theme is that like things used to, there's an era that we will never go back to. That was not the best. And mm-hmm. we're moving forward as a planet to like be better, you know? And we'll yeah. like, there's a time that has passed that sucked and we ain't never going back there. You know, and I, I try to think about that all the time when we talk about the cultures of yore, where it's like, you know, kind of what their flaw was as a society and how, like, it has changed as a result. You know, because we talk about Dragon being, like, real toxic and competitive. We talk about Moon Crescent is kind of like they're, like, pampered. You know what I mean? Like, they have mm-hmm. they don't have to make decisions for themselves, to be honest. And then Geode, you literally have a god giving you everything you could ever want. Iron Hill, you have, I don't know what. And then, um, Pyrithragil, I also don't know what their flaw is as well.
1: So, let's talk about, let's talk about sort of the world that these characters, like, like, we've got the picture of what Moon Crescent was like in the early days, with people getting their letters and, you know, hearing what they need to hear and being very comforted by this sort of Enigmatic figure off at a distant tower, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So where do we want to go next? We've talked about sort of the history of, of Purithra Guild, the history of Moon Crescent. What?
0: But what is it about Purethra Guild that we can't... Oh, is that... I guess that Samuel Gord era is the thing that we'll never go back to. You know? Yeah. Maybe it's not, it's not a plain wash across all cultures. Like, Purethra Guild had it right the first time, and then it got screwed. Yeah. Okay. So I want well, to go to Iron Hill. We, okay. we have a lot of Beast Folk characters who live there, and Arthur and Jeremy are these, like, characters that we've featured in a lot of episodes, but we don't know a lot about the city as a whole. Right. We said hmm. in episode three, like, the Big Jeremy one, that, like, oh, it's, it's Iron Hill because Big Jeremy irons. This is his family's land and stuff like that, and that can be true. You know, Trick Smallman could be a prolific fucking figure in, in, mm-hmm. in the history of Iron Hill, but we don't know a lot and we can keep it shrouded in mystery. You know that's always an option
1: too. I kind of um, want to get into it. Okay, like, if we're talking about the history here, I want to get into some history things. Yeah, and because this is kind of the point of this episode is to hammer out some history things, and then and then we can kind of you know repackage this into some roses guide stuff in in coming coming yeah, weeks or months. Because I I uh, something
0: I just want people to know is that like. For To say, like, how do you make it easier to ingest the backlog? It's like, we're still making it. It's not, like, written down in a tome. It's strictly audio. So, like, it's either you're, like, I would have to re-listen to know what the hell is happening. And so, like, right now, it's a perfect opportunity for us to be like, let's finalize a deet. You know, let's say... Jeremy and Arthur, you know, this was the history of Iron Hill. So that moving forward, it's a little easier. Or going backward, it's a little easier to kind of, like, know what we're talking about. Yeah, right. So Iron Hill. Iron Hill. Arthur, this ar- magic planet-created Ardvark of tremendous power mm-hmm. with a relic that lets him... And also, here's my question for you. Because, you know, we're making this world. Yeah. You said once that... The relics don't work the same for everyone that has them. Right. What is
1: what is Arthur's? What does it give him, the spectacles? Does he see everything, too? Because Jeremy can see all. Jeremy can see all. I forgot that I had said that, but it makes sense because that ties into how it plays differently, how the hat ties in differently to Callahan, Whiskerman, and to Slip. So, hmm. You know? Because we said in this is, this is Me Being
0: I'm Gonna Be That Magic Xyloph. this is how I'd love for this episode to play out. I would love for me to be the magic xylophone kid, and you are Homer Simpson. Okay. Where I'm like, okay, we said this. Do we want to keep that because we said it two years ago, or do we want to revise it?
1: We um, can—I like the idea that the artifacts work differently for everyone that wears them.
0: Okay. Because we said in the King's Piece that Arthur saw the chimera in the Crimson Everglade. But we can, like, he may not have been using his spectacles. He may have just looked out the fucking window. Or it works a little bit like that for him and not like it does for Jeremy, sees fucking literally everything. Maybe he can just see real far. (laughs) Or it's just completely different. Hmm. You know, (laughs) just are Arthur's spectacles like he sees your moves before you make them? He sees into the future. He. Because. You made a really good point. I like
1: that. I really
0: like seeing into the future. Oh, snap. Because that is some, that's some shit. So, Arthur Spectacles, how far?
1: I think it's, I think that is unpredictable. I think, I think he sees, he sees what is important to come. Or at least pieces of it. Like, he can't focus on anything. I don't think he has, like, scrying. It's like a Jedi dream. I think it's a little bit like a Jedi dream where he just like, you know, pops on the spectacles and they show him. S- I don't think he wears them all the time. Oh, that's because so Because I think good. when he puts them on, they just show him what, um. It's like the Google glasses. <laughs> you
0: look and you see an image. Yeah. Oh, Okay. I like this. I like this a lot because it's piecing together a lot of things that we have said in the fucking past. When you said that, God, I'm such a fucking nerd for our own lore. It's usually because you said, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but whenever I harp on something from like years ago, it's always something you said because I'm always like, oh, you said that in, uh, there's an episode, Trick Smallman, that Arthur is holding a pocket watch and he's like stressing because he doesn't want to go to battle. So did he see his untimely demise in the glasses beforehand?
1: That's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: like he knew that this wasn't going to go well. But does he think he can change fate? Because that's also a key time traveler trope.
1: Here's what I, I, I like that. And here's what I think it is. I think he thinks he doesn't think he can change the future. He thinks he is powerful enough to change the future. I dig that. It is hubris. It is at that point hubris he has bought into the hype
0: okay that he can like force a thing to be where he's like i saw you know what i mean maybe he saw jeremy dying on the battlefield and was like i have to do everything i can to keep him safe because we said in episode three that he does save big jeremy and then how he dies yep <laughs> so that could be a thing so he can see the fucking future yes that's
1: some fucking dish that makes he him can quite see, juicy he can see time jeremy can see space oh fuck that's so
0: good Jared's banging. Fuck. You have just changed so much of this whole story. Oh, my God. Oh, that's like, that's the lore nerd in me being like, he did it again. <laughs> okay. So Arthur, oh, like Arthur saw the formation of Iron Hill in like a dream and was like, I just have to recreate what I saw. Right. Wow. Okay. So he really didn't, in typical like how we talk about Arthur fashion, he didn't really do anything yeah okay so that's arthur then um Mm -hmm. wow and that's why he's so fucking i guess i guess it's part of why he's so like funny 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 and then it's business time because he's like y'all i have seen how things go and things don't like i'm sure he's seen the fucking dark apocalypse like i'm sure he's seen lots of things where he's like you know Enjoy this now because it's not going to be around for very long. Like, he might have seen Iron Hill in flames and, like, no city there, you know? Oh, Mm -hmm. my God.
1: Okay. That is fucking sick. And that answers how he kind of of brought a community together and, like, became their sort of guide and their leader. And I think Iron Hill is a little bit more monarchistic
0: Mm. because I think
1: it is him saying, like, no, I can... I know, like, you, like, don't do that. Oh, you're smart. Fuck. It's, you know, it's not perfect. Like, it's not it's not perfect. It's flawed because Arthur is flawed and, and sort of dove in with this idea of, like, I can fix this. I yeah. can stop this. I can a fix this. A
0: pursuit of and, perfection. Like, yes. I can make a perfect timeline. Like,
1: I have the tool. I have the tool. I know what's coming. I know, like, we can't, you know, we, ha- you know, you can't stay here because there's a mudslide coming in three days that's going to ruin your house. And it became a little bit more of people, you know, turning, Arthur giving explicit orders as opposed to Mm -hmm. Nymphaealakis sort of giving a little bit, giving sort of just more person, you know, not quite telling anyone to do anything. Arthur is more willing to tell you, you got to move. Oh, And that's part of why they butt heads is... Because they both are someone who thinks that they have the answer to all of the problems.
0: Oh, you're so good, God! Because you, God, you said so much cool shit in reflections when you were playing Arthur that this still fits into the fucking story. Oh, God, yes. Oh, that's so good. Oh, it would make him, butthead. it would make him like unlikable by so many people that I think that's where his sense of humor comes from, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, I just I have to crack jokes because like I know how this movie, I know the end of the movie already. And so I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I also have to nudge them in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And they may not like it, but if I crack if my fucking make a fart sound, you know, I'm, you know, if I'm lighthearted constantly, I don't have to know that I bear, he feels that he bears the burden of, like, a dark future on his shoulders. Yeah. Fuck. I'm obsessed. Question. Okay. What do you think makes Arthur and Jeremy, like, what is it that he likes about Jeremy? You know what I mean? What makes that tick? Hmm. You know? Is it because Jeremy is all about, like, you know, and how the glasses reflect on him, like, taking, you know, in, in the image I have is Jeremy, like, wrapping his arms around the planet and being like, we have to, like, watch over them. He's like, yes, I have to guide them. It's like, that's not the same thing.
1: Right. You know. I like that. You know, Arthur is a little bit enjoy it while it lasts because it won't last very long. mm hmm what if he's a little bit self... I mean, I guess we've already kind of established oh, that he can, he's be a com- bit he can be
0: completely self-absorbed. We've already kind of established that. He's also, like, stupid, powerful, and good at fighting. Like, he can completely... I always see him as, like, a really arrogant, self-absorbed... Like,
1: he can be a tool. Then I think what it is, at least at first, I think what initially attracts Arthur to Jeremy see, is that Jeremy is, like... Adore you know adores arthur yeah it's a little bit of you know it is a little bit of like Feeling b- feeling pampered right it's feeling it's feeling it is feeling like you are the most special Person in the world and then from there they realized that they genuinely like have a lot in Common and that they care for each other and like a real relationship formed but for arthur at first It was it was I want to be pampered and I want to feel like the most special person in the world especially because I kind of know what's coming, and I, 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 I want to have as much joy as I can, and Jeremy is a very joyful person. I like this,
0: because it means that um, while Arthur is like, you know, nothing, you know, I've seen what happens, you know, nothing really, enjoy it while you can, you said, or Jeremy is kind of the opposite, where he's like, of course I dote on you, of course I care for you, you're the king. You know, you're Mm -hmm. so important to me, and you're so important to so many people, and that needs to be, like, cared for, and, like, you know what I mean? For, For Arthur... The world life is kind of like a fucking sports car where you drive it as fast as you can because it's going to burn out anyway. It doesn't matter. Then you yeah. throw it away. But Jeremy is that like, no, but you have to care for things. And, like, you know, I see him be- being very into, like, gardening in that way of, like, you know, you you care for a sapling and you-, you have to treat things nice and then you get the rewards. Arthur's like, you know, you you just get what you want from the world and you just move on. You know, that's, that's, I think the behind closed doors conversations between him and Jeremy are like, Jeremy, you have to steal yourself in the face of like the hardships of people, you know, you can't, you can't help everybody, Jeremy, like, yeah. you know, and he's like, no, like we can fix this community so that it's like everyone is provided for and everyone has a place. And Arthur is like, if you want, but like, understand that the things that I know would like, you know, keep you up at night. Yeah. Okay, I dig that a lot. And it makes more sense because, like, I never wanted Jeremy to just be, like, this jolly person. So I liked the fact that, you know, he, he just cares about people, you yeah. know, where Arthur does as well, but he also kind of just has this bleak outlook of, like, there's nothing you can kind of do. The story's already written. And Jeremy is much more like, no, 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 you can challenge fate. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Cool. So that's been hammered out (laughs) 15 minutes later. That's been hammered out. Finally, a little bit about Arthur. What do you want to talk about next?
1: So um, Arthur has glasses. Let's recap. Now that we've again, we've deep dove. We'll recap. Arthur has spectacles again, blessed by the ley lines charged with ley line energy that allow him to see all of time to see the future as it unfolds. In bits and pieces, right? Splashes of the splashes of the river of time. And he sees his death coming, but also he sees the little pieces of things that need to happen for a community to run. However, Arthur being a flawed person does not think to himself, you know, that he shouldn't use this power or that he, he thinks, well, I, that just means I have to like do the things that need to be done in order to keep the people safe. Mm. He kind of establishes himself as a little bit of a monarch, you know, and does all of these things. You know, builds builds a community that way. Yeah, right.
0: Because I know best. That's his thought. Like I know best. I know the future. Yeah.
1: As all of this is happening in the city of Geode, in this massive, gigantic Everest-sized mountain of Geode, uh, this tiny community of people are 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 trying to survive while beset on all sides by terrors things that have been purposely left vague that i don't know if we'll ever get to and i'm all right with that yeah oh i love the fact
0: that these terrors these horrors just live in geode they're just you know surrounding this you know if you were to once again like you think of a cake where if you just slice it there's like a cavity and all the dwarves are in this dark space where they're struggling to survive and they have very little and they're they're making it work with what they have but they're by no means like thriving And they're beset, up. finally, the horrors break through into their little cavity, and the kind of the—we said was, like, the planet chooses one dwarf who has never spoken, so they don't have a guiding word, um, to kind of wield the gauntlet, uh, the Terramancer's gauntlet, which is the artifact of yellow, to kind of push the horrors out and carve the mount—the inside of the mountain out, creating, like, a paradise for the dwarves.
1: Yes. The dwarves have this and and the machine god does this and then disappears. Yep. Does this and then disappears and is worshiped as a god almost in retrospect by the society that forms in their absence. Yep. But they are they are they are not present. So I am liking that we have hashed out and that we do have all of these very different societal and governmental structures. Absolutely. Totally. We have Sprout Brussels who is a a man of the people. We have Arthur who is very much a monarch. Nymphae Lachis, who is the meddling, the meddling deity. We have the machine god, who is the deity in absentia. Oh, oh my God, so good. Jesus Christ.
0: But that comes to, we never, ever talked about Lumina Spear. Mm-hmm. ever. The leader of dragon has the, we never really talked about what the pendant even does w- right. with a prism. We, we kind of just say like, oh, it, stuff happens in it. We've said like things happen and the pendant reacts to it and a giant magical phenomenon happens but that's yes. it so my thought based on that is that it like amplifies a person's best attributes and like i don't know like it filters like i think of uh, if i were to filter my essence me through a prism out the other end would be like this beautiful rainbow magnified beaming outward You know, so is she like the ultimate bard? You know, like, does she make everyone better? Does the prism, when she has it, she makes people their best selves by
1: just being in the presence of its light? I think that's what the... I think that's... that. I don't even know if that's her. I think that's the prism. I think the prism... Here's my pitch. Yeah, please. Because I think this ties into the culture of dragon a lot as well. Okay. Which we'll talk to after this. I think the pendant, what it does... Is it amplify, like you said, it amplifies, it amplifies your essence to like a magical degree. Yeah. But in doing, but in a sense that like, basically if you hold it, whatever thing you are the best at, it escalates that to a magic, like to the nth degree.
0: Ooh, it's just like a, it's, it's like an accessory in an RPG where it just makes you better at something.
1: Like to the point of, of godhood. Ooh. So what is Lumina
0: good at? What is her thing? What do we think her thing is? I have, had pi- I have had ideas that I pretty much only wrote on... Can I pitch you what I have just thought of for her? Yeah. I always see... Lumina spear sees kind of the world like Neo... Like mm-hmm. sees um uh, she sees the world made up of like a tapestry of light and energy like magic. She sees the fabric of the ley lines in everything. So instead okay. of zeros and ones, she sees like the colors being woven together like a fabric, and she can take and pluck things and change threads as she sees fit. Or is that okay. too is that too powerful to read Richard's no. son?
1: I think that's I think that's fine. And I think like the idea that she can see these things and build these things and that's sort of where her power comes from explains why specifically they built like an industrial, like a mechanical Like super city. city. Yeah. And it's because her like ability to build things is like gigantic and powerful. So she builds better. She builds and she creates and she forages more than anybody. I dig it because it makes me think of her then
0: like... Is if somebody sitting at, like, a loom, you know what I mean? Can, like, uh-huh. weave fabric, but out comes, like, a skyscraper, comes, like, a, f- a futuristic monument, comes, like, a floating city, you know what I mean? Does yes. she kind of then, like, she in a way kind of wills things to be? Yes. That's fucking dope. Love
1: that. And I think, like, the the sort of structure that I will go for for Dragon, if we're describing sort of how these cities operate and come to pass. Mm-hmm. Corporation. Oh, baby. She, like, appoints people who appoint people because they like, said that the culture of Dragon for a long time was sort of toxic. You are the best at what you do. And if that is forged from, like, we have to build this city. Like, we have to build structures. There's no, you know, we need to build irrigation to get water. We need people who can engineer things. We need the best engineers. You have to be better. You have to be the best engineer you can be. And it just leeches, like, bleeds into every aspect of their life if it all comes from like her being like, n- you know, building this city with her magical loom powers and like people just trying to keep up with that. I dig
0: it. I dig it because if someone – it's it's that mentality of like if someone is their best at something, I have to keep up with the Joneses. And yeah. it's this idea that like if we're all doing our best, then we'll all lift each other up when it really, of course, spirals out of hand and is just like, well, what does it mean to be the best? Am I really the best? I thought he was the best at that. And it's this – comes yeah. becomes a competitive nature and it kind of consumes itself as a yes. culture. I dig it. And what is what is her deal? Is she nice? Is she mean? Like, is she just? Is she fair? Hmm. Because, you know what I mean? We never had... She doesn't have her own featured episode. She doesn't really have as much, we'll call Hmm. it, literature as the others. So, But she's also willed by the... She's another... She's Arthur. She's another Arthur. Like, has no parents. Was just like, you know, my mother was Starlight and my father was Shadow type thing.
1: Yeah. I think she is harsh.
0: Ooh. Okay. Not cruel no
1: but like it blee you know that that what you know i think like we said the culture of dragon comes from her so it is very much like you have to do this she's tough she's tough she lays down you know she she lays down ultimatums of like this you have to do this Mm. like you have to build this we need this to survive i like that because if someone
0: saw the fabric of reality they would think like i know how things are supposed to be you know they would mm-hmm. have they would have an understanding of things beyond come on common comprehension. But that means that they're a bit of a perfectionist. That means they're a little tough. Where it's like, I see you building that, and that's great, but it's not supposed to be that. We can do better. We can do better. It's constantly like we can do better, y'all. But yeah. to an extent where it's a lot of pressure. She expects a lot from people because she expects a lot from herself as someone who can kind of weave fabric of existence. Yeah. You know, and it, and it, it adds, it, I like this because it's also feeding into the story of the 17 Nights, mm-hmm. where it's these people who were like, you know, her, we decided that her love for Nymphaea, when they were like together, the prism was kind of like, this is awesome, beam, and people came, humans came out, right? Yeah. That kind of like, you know, light shot out and beamed them all over the planet.
1: But it kind of they, has, what? Their love, like their love was that, which they were best at Mm -hmm. like their love was their love was the thing that that amplified and, and their love created life and it created life across the entire world i dig it i'm obsessed
0: my question for you is the 17 knights the question that i have been asked before in discord is are they picked do they volunteer or were they born soldiers which of course i don't we do not want to do No, I don't want to go down that road. No, they were not teleported to this world with a sword in their hand. They were people, I think, this is my pitch to you, that were like, you know, this is their leader. This is their, you know, not creator, but like, this is the leader of their city who gave Mm -hmm. them everything. Were there people who were like, you know, I pledge my services to you. Yeah. As like your, to keep you safe. Especially, does this, are they formed after Nymphae is killed? Is it as a result of that?
1: That's a great question, and it brings us to the next big topic, which is the Battle of Iron Hill. Oh. The defining moment of the next chapter of history. Because, like, were they made for that? Were they made just for the fight or
0: just to keep her safe from Arthur, you know?
1: I I like that they were made to keep her safe from Arthur, but not for the battle. Mm. I like that it was... She was like, you know, Arthur had been enacting the king's peace. He has forged himself these these magical weapons. Mm. You know, he has commissioned these magical weapons and she's like, well, nothing good is going to come from this. Yes. Nothing good is going to come from this. I need protection. Like, he, I don't like what he is planning. I need I I want I want something to keep myself safe and my 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 people safe. Hey. So she commissions these 17 knights. She she calls them, she tells them Go live your life, but when I call, you need to answer, because if you don't, I will, like, all that you love, like, everything will be killed. Yeah, like, I can't beat him. You know, like, I I, I like this idea that people
0: are afraid of his his strength. You Mm -hmm. know, that he has these friends and these, you know, these other jewels of the crown, these relic people, but they're still like, I can't beat him. You know, I saw Mm -hmm. what he did. Like, Nymphaea was strong as fuck. He carved through her like butter. And so after that, I think it like changed the, the world where people started like, you know, I'm sure the machine God knew and was like, well, I got to make a robot army in my bunker mm-hmm. just in case this motherfucker rolls up because this is terrifying. And it's this I like this idea that the tone of Arthur shifts from like lovable goofball king who sees the future to like Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, we talk about it a lot. What caused the Battle of Iron Hill? It's like the million dollar question. Why? Because Nymphaea went to Iron Hill. Aaron, of course, meant Lumina. Mm-hmm. Why? Is it just because she was pissed? You know, like, was she like, you killed my fucking wife? Which is a pretty legit reason. But, like, is that the reason? Like, what happened? Mm. Like, you know, because we. We said in the old school one where it was this fucking terrible myth, but, like, now we have to stick with the story because that's what it is, Mm -hmm. that dragons showed up, Nymphaea, the 17 Knights of Dragon, and fucking robots, human bots, show up to Iron Hill and fucking attack. Like, Mm -hmm. what do they want? Do they want to sack the city? Do they just want to kill Arthur? Like, what the fuck happened? Are we ever going to know? I don't know. You know, it's a hard one. Cause it's a hard one. It's a tough one because which direction you go, it speaks a volumes about both parties. Because we said, like, oh, the city is in flames. Like, you know, they're attacking the battlements. But, like, why do they want to fight the people? of? Because it is, obviously, Nymphaea is coming to fuck up Arthur and the people stand behind Arthur, you know, mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. But why does why does Lumina spear want to kill Arthur? Arthur. I
1: think that I, I think I know we've sort of hinted at the idea. I, I, I think it's half personal, right? Like it's half, you know, mm-hmm. you you did me dirty, so I'm going to, to murder you. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally a revenge fight in one in you know, a chunk of it, yeah. It's in doing this, in taking and in enacting, you know, what you call the king's peace, you have exerted yourself as the moral authority of the universe. And it's, it's, you've gone you've grown too powerful and someone has to stop you.
0: Oh my God. That's so good. It's like we said, where Lumina I think was the only one that was like, this era Mm -hmm. has to end. This era of fucking jewels and gods and these people who decide what's best for the world can't, can't run like this anymore. Saw her wife die, you know, felt it, saw the fabric, you know, snap, watched her vanish below the waves and was like. What what happened? It used to just be this like super chill spot, you know, where the cultures were like doing their own thing separately. Everybody was like staying strong and everybody was doing their best. And all of a sudden, one of them thinks that he gets to call the shots for what's best for the plant. Oh, my God. And it works so perfectly with the time thing you said with Arthur. This Mm -hmm. is amazing. So she just takes kind of like initiative and is like, I have to I have to end this. Yep. This is too, this is going to go, this is going to get worse before it gets better. I'm marching to Iron Hill to challenge him. Yes. What does she do? She just a wizard? She a wizard? She like a wizard. I like the idea of her like casting spells and stuff, like shooting fireballs and lightning bolts and stuff. Question. I know we, you said before, you don't want to get into the deets of the Battle of Iron Hill, but there's a key question I have to ask you.
1: Who kills her? I'm going to throw something out. No one. Oh what?
0: Whoa! What's not? I, I spiked there, but I did what? I'm sorry.
1: she's alive? Uh alive is a tough question. Alive is a tricky thing. I would. I don't know if I would uh, call it like. No one's seen her in generations. Okay. I have. Uh, let's look at. Let's look at the facts. Uh, yeah. This is. Oh my god! I love this episode. Why did the Battle of Iron Hill happen? To end the. Era of the Five Jeweled Crown. Why did the Battle of Iron Hill happen?
0: Because Nymphaea died. What did what,
1: what did what did Lumina want from the Battle of Iron Hill? To kill Arthur, and she did it. Oh, when she, she Arthur falls, and she just is up. She just upends into the like into the sky. and is gone, and it's just like because you know she has now done what Arthur did she knows it she knew that this was she knew that she was crossing the same line arthur did but she won she won the fight and simply said i can't and said i've gone to i have now gone too far i'm not going to like you know i she does she 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 lives somewhere oh. you know she is powerful enough that she can weave her own immortality if she wants oh but she doesn't want to be around anyone. She doesn't, she's, she is, she's like, I have, I am no longer the leader. The era is over. And with it, I am with it. I am simply walking into the fog. Like I am floating into the, the fog above the ocean. And who knows? Maybe I think, I, I think she's still out there somewhere looking, just, just watching and weaving. I love,
0: I love the idea that like, I'm part of an I'm part of an era that I no longer I you know I have no place here anymore. If I stay in this, you know, if I stay in this, I'm
1: part of the problem. I'm am, part of I the issue. I am now Arthur and I'm going to do what Arthur should have done and just go away.
0: Wow. I think she I think she she, she,
1: she drops the the prism pendant, casts one final spell
0: and just fades into the fog. Can I give you a picture of what that looks like? Yeah. So the Battle of Iron Hill is raging on. You know, countless robot corpses are just riddling this open field of green. The knights are clashing with the Knights of Iron Hill. You know, magic is flying, marbles and pieces of grass. Music is playing from B-Sharp. It is absolute chaos. Delta, the fiercest warrior of the 17 Knights of Dragon shoots a crossbow meant for big Jeremy. Arthur dives in the way, takes the bolt, dies. Big Jeremy takes the glasses. Is it in that space that Lumen is like, it's done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's over. She sees the, she sees his thread snap, you know, it's cut. And then she's like, all right. And that's it. And she what like floats into the fucking sky or just like disappears in a fog. I like, I like, okay. Can I give you an image for what it looks like? Jeremy is holding Arthur. Arthur is, you know, he's, he's bleeding, he's hurt, he's dying, he's been poisoned. His arm, Jeremy is looking down at him, he's like, Arthur, are you okay? Like, Arthur, talk to me, look at me. Arthur's eyes never leave the other direction. He's looking straight ahead, and his hand reaches out, Lumina walks toward, reaches out her hand, and <sighs> turns to cloud and just turns to mist as he fades away as well. Yes. I dig this and seeing arthur die not seeing the person responsible for this war jeremy loses his shit kills everybody (laughs) Mm -hmm. i am digging the fact that we're finally get like we said a lot of shit in this show that's like the history and like it's good to get like actual details of like what happened what we're figuring out what roles major historical event like historical players played You know, in this Mm -hmm. imperfect era that kind of shaped the modern world of fantasy, you know, in this kind of peaceful, cooperative, cohesive way. Because, like, if there's no more players around, like, that that era is done. That show is over. And now it's time to pick up the pieces. And they do. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, Jeremy becomes the leader of Iron Hill, the person who does cultivate people and wants to make people feel safe and provided for, not just you know, safe under the fucking blade of Arthur. You know, it's different. Yes. And does this question. I know I'm just keep hitting you with these and I'm sorry. Does Moon Crescent have another leader?
1: Hmm. I don't think so. I think that they settle into having a variety of like ruling houses. And anybody that that and that 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 like the loss of Nymphaea is what leads to the culture of ruling houses because it's it's sort of splintered off into Half we need to stick together and half, well, I've got the resources so I can be okay.
0: Love that. Ooh, I love that. And Dragon, we know, gets, you know, Lance crossbladed, wins it from Delta and becomes, like, this cool place of progress and then is run—is it run by uh, Gen Astro? Yes, right? Yes. Yes. And Gen Astro becomes leader and it's, like, a educational and cultural epicenter for, like, <laughs> learning magic and bettering yourself and developing yourself.
1: And I think I want to put it to be continued right here. Absolutely. Because here's why. Uh, I'm going to say next episode, because I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, totally. I think that to continue this conversation, here's my cliffhanger for you, Aaron, and for the listeners. I think we need to do something that I know you've been talking about doing for a very long time. <laughs> to continue the conversation of contextualizing the full history of fantasy. Oh, man. I think that we need to revisit a character that we've been talking about doing for a long time, and I think is the only way to really logically get to the end of this.
0: Is it Tiamat? It is Tiamat. Yes. I
1: think think that has to be the next chapter of this. Yeah, absolutely. Is to actually, now that we have all of this laid out, lay out that full story. And tie all that into everything
0: it's the first and only one where we kind of develop an essence of like time passes and when she comes out of the ice it's different and then she changes things again it's like the first one we involved a timeline and i think if we bring her story into our modern lore and quote canon you know we can really get a better picture for like if you really want to know what this world is and the history of this world that's past all we have is oral tradition you know uh tiamat i think is truly the key so let's
1: do that oh you're smart
0: fuck to Um, be
1: continued to
0: be continued
1: do we have to do all the post show stuff (laughs) yeah Yeah, let's do do all the post show (laughs) stuff if you would like to submit a prompt to this show there's a ton of ways you can do it Normally, we take listener... Well, pro- I guess we sort of took a listener prompt this episode. Sort of. Um, so there are a lot of ways you can do it. You can tweet at us at amfc underscore podcast using the hashtag children. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. You can post them to Facebook at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can post them to our Discord at bit.ly slash AMFC discord, Or you can go to allmyfantasychildren.com.
0: Yeah, while you're there, be sure to check out our Wikipedia page, our Bandcamp, where all the music from the show is um and jump into our discord channel and come hang out with us like we are in there and we like if you want to talk about the show if you want to talk about just fun stuff you know i pretty much live in there constantly like some kind of ghoul and i'll be ready to chat you up yes oh god jeff has a second podcast What what am i doing acting like i don't know what i'm saying jeff has a second podcast that you should be listening to because it's like i will say it's one of the best resources you can have in learning tabletop games that's real talk
1: Party of One is an actual play focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week I sit down with a friend, uh, we play a two-player game, we share some laughs, a few tears, and we have a really great time. New episodes drop every Tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com. All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network, a collection of really creative
0: and brilliant and wonderful people who create brilliant and wonderful things. Um, A show you should be listening to is Adventure. Adventure is an actual play podcast that focuses on the fun of fan fiction and is set in your favorite fictional universes. Join host Pranks Paul as he takes a variety of guests through self-contained stories featuring Harry Potter, Pokemon, Animorphs, and other favorites.
1: I'm obsessed. It's a fun show. I really enjoy it. I'm a big fan. Um, What else do we talk about? Verbal hug? Let's see. What's a good verbal hug? Don't be afraid to ask for help. Oh, yes. You know, that always be always, you know, one of the bravest things you can do is say, I need help and support. And here's how you can do that. And I think, you know, we, you know, people, there are people that want to help you and support you. And, but a lot of times they won't know that what they can do and how to do it if you don't ask them and prompt them. So don't be afraid to do that. I think it's a, it's a powerful and meaningful gesture to say, you know, I care about you and I want support from you because you mean something to me and because I need the support.
0: That's fucking wise. I was going to be like, eat delicious things every day. Um, Also eat
1: delicious things every day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Eat something good every day. Don't underestimate the power of having it. It's kind of like the idea of like treat yourself, but be nice. Like we say it a lot. Be nice to yourself. You know, if yeah. if no one's being nice to you, be nice to yourself. That's the least you can do. Yeah. And something that other shows do that we don't do is go, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow you can find me at Aaron Catano Sayas on Twitter.
1: Uh you can find me at Party of One Pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we never talk about that. Is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, to be continued. So until next time. Good, good night. And good game. game.